All right, it's your boy Jay Barber with Studio Noise Podcast, working in conjunction with Stay Home Gallery. Their curatorial program created a bunch of new shows, and this one was curated by Miss Jasmine Wilson called Inward. It's an exhibition inspired by our collective isolation and intimate encounters with ourselves. And one of the artists in the show, Miss Julia Terry, is with me right now on the podcast. How are you doing, Julia? I'm good, thanks. It's yeah. a pleasure being with you. It's such a such a great to talk to all the artists from the show. Uh, your work was particularly striking. I like it because I am a printmaker at heart. And so your work definitely stands out um, mm-hmm. in a big, big way. So Thank we'll you. we'll learn more about you and your journey over the last year. But I'm going to bring up one of the pieces, Seeing Myself. And so I'm going to use that as an entry point. Tell us about this piece and how it related to your journey of looking inward. Sure. Uh, this piece is very related to the the, the show, Turning Inward, um, or Inward. Um, this practice kind of, to me, Turning Inward is has been a practice I've had to learn as a people pleaser. It's been a lot about asking myself what I want and reflecting on who I am kind of separate from my roles and relationships, which has, I feel in some ways gotten harder during the pandemic because everything is very overlapping. There's not clear distinctions between home and work and all the roles that I play in my life as a parent um, and a partner and an employee. Um, And so discovering this practice of taking self-portraits and making art um, where I'm really looking at myself um, has been a lot about kind of seeing who I am, seeing myself in ways that don't always get to show up mm-hmm. um, in the pressures of daily life and how our society defines professionalism and what way, ways and behaviors are welcome. Um, and uh, it's really been a practice of kind of slowing down during the pandemic, reconnecting with myself and my body, um, thinking about the va- the values, kind of the value of people beyond work um, and all the different things that make us whole and worthy. Yeah, I think that's the conversation we're having with a lot of the artists from the show is, mm. is how much uh, getting a certain amount of time at home, right, mm-hmm. has gave you the opportunity to, think and consider and change your practice differently like tell us how how were you going into the lockdown and then I'll ask you about how you were coming out of it yeah uh for me it was really uh interesting transition because I went into the pandemic after I don't know maybe after many months of being in transition after leaving a nonprofit job that I've been in for 15 years Um, at an arts organization and really taking time and space to kind of heal from different work trauma and, you know, toxic nonprofit culture um, and start making art a lot um, in my, I think in nonprofits and when we're passionate about our work it can kind of fill our whole lives to the point that at least for me, I lost my artistic practice. Mm. I worked with artists, but I kind of stopped making art for 
almost the whole time. And so before the pandemic, I'd really started reconnecting with my artist identity and falling in love with cutting paper, um, which ended up being a perfect practice for being at home because it doesn't require much space or many supplies. I started doing it, you know, off to the side during my Zoom meetings. and and it it really helped with anxiety of the pandemic, Um, set up a little studio in my home. And my kids have really enjoyed kind of being so present to my art and my practice. And then recently was able to start running a studio, which has just been pretty much the best thing I've ever done for myself. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. So it's allowed me to think, think about my practice in a different way, keep making art, but also exploring um, self-portraits in kind of a less self-conscious way than I, and with more space than I had at home. Um, I think also going to into the, well, at the start of the pandemic, I also started a new job. So mm. balance was, you know, it was just an interesting time to think about balance and also create boundaries um, around maintaining the things that really fill me up, which is my art, my art practice, while also, you know, being oriented to a new role and um, other work that I do to support leaders um, through a group I co-founded called Healing Our Work. So in some ways, the pandemic's allowed me to do a to find a kind of balance that I've never been able to find. Mm. Um, And I think if I hadn't had that time between before the pandemic, where I was really slowing down consciously, um, I, it would have been a lot harder to transition to a different way of working. Um, Cause I already was thinking how much toxic urgency we all have. Right. How unsustainable it is. Right. Um, and I, in some ways, I kind of hoped the pandemic would help us collectively slow down, but that doesn't always feel the case. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think everybody else had paper cutting to make them less anxious. Right. <laughs> I think I think the anxiety is just it, it just built up, and if you didn't yeah. have yes. an outlet the way you do, but but yeah. and and I'm gonna mention this because. I've done a little paper cutting um, and I have a, a good friend, Jerusha Graham, who does a lot of paper cutting too. Mm. And I would not say paper cutting is anxiety reducing. I would say mm. it was actually much more, <laughs> much more anxious <laughs> to do it. So tell me about um, just how you got into paper cutting and, yeah. and that whole, how you approach it. Great question. Yeah, I guess everyone has their art forms that feel more stressful. I guess for me, it's like pottery, I think. Mm, um, yeah. Something is really meditative to me about paper cutting. I think, I mean, I've always just had a love affair with paper. I love paper of all kinds and have always done collage work and work with like silhouettes and I think, and with, with scissors. Um, and interested in playing with negative and positive space and shapes and lines. Um, 
And I feel like ages ago, maybe I try, I picked up an exacto to give it a try. And I think the blade wasn't sharp enough. Mm. And I was discouraged right away. And then I think my husband got me a, a set of multi, uh, a set, a really nice set of exactos and different blades. And after that, I was hooked. Um, All right. Way to go, husband. Yeah. (laughs) He set up my home studio. I feel really grateful to have his support and encouragement, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, that's awesome. And we're all sharing a space. And so your work um, as you started, was it always reflective of the self-portrait or was this something that you were doing that's new? It's kind of newer. I mean, I I think I say this in my artist statement. As an art student, I did self-portraiture a lot. Um, And I mean, it's always been an easy solution for not having models. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And over time, my work has evolved to be more... um, Explore, you know, wanting to represent other bodies and a diversity of bodies and body types and a lot of work related to, you know, in support of movements and social justice. And I think returning to self-portraits has been, it's kind of reflects, reflective of how my work is in general, where I just believe I just watched the uh, the Grace Lee Boggs documentary. She always talks, talked about you transform yourself to transform the world. Mm. And I just feel the importance of always going back and forth between self-work and world work and that it, the work that I do with myself can have an effect that ripples outward um, to the systems that I'm a part, a part of. And I think it also comes from working with young people, Mm -hmm. um, as an educator is just always, especially in arts education, there's so much vulnerability and risk-taking that we ask youth to do. Right. And I've always been seeing the value of not asking young people or anyone to take risks that I wouldn't take myself. And I think I feel that with representing other bodies, is that that's really brave and that I also want to practice that and see the value in, you know, when I do paper cutting of other people, they, they've expressed to me how seen they feel and that's deeply rewarding. And I guess I want to give myself that gift as well. That's a great way of looking at it. And I think um, I asked Tracy Mims uh, a similar question to this. Um, When you are representing yourselves, when you're, when you are representing yourself, are you more interested in being extremely vulnerable and representing all your flaws as they are? Or are you shining up a little bit as you take notice of the things that you may or may not like about yourself, personal insecurities? Great question. I think that I used to approach, at least, you know, with photographs of myself, um, and before my selfie practice evolved in, beyond cell phones, um, I think it was kind of a false representation of myself or trying to uh, ma- attain some kind of perfection that isn't, doesn't exist. Um, but then in 
doing paper cuts of other people, you know, that my favorite parts and what make the images so beautiful and interesting and fun to cut are imperfections or not even, I don't even want to call them imperfections, but like the interesting parts, you know, like lines and curves and um, all the different shapes. So I definitely take, I represent and take portraits of myself that are different now, where I'm actually almost trying to accentuate those parts of myself and appreciate them in a different way. So you have another piece in the show, um, Returning Home. Was this Mm -hmm. um, based on photographs that were taken around the same time? Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that process of how you are setting yourself up and in taking your reference photos. I I take them with my cell phone, um, prop, you know, uh, using a timer and a stand. And uh, for these, I just was, I partly, I just love the chair and wanted to represent that. And then um, kind of see myself in ways that are hidden or, buried um and that you know i don't sides of myself i don't usually share um and also just shapes that are interesting to make paper cutting of Um, but i definitely feel i feel surprised to see myself in these ways Mm. Um, because i think that i don't they're not parts of myself I usually share. So it's a kind of a reminder that they're still there. <laughs> and do you approach it as if you are, you are representing yourself or are you, are you kind of putting yourself in a different mind state, almost like an actor playing a part of mm-hmm. this woman in a chair? Uh, or is it more a direct translation of this is me in the chair? Cause I think it's that, that is a fine distinction but it can lead to two wildly different results. Yeah. I think when I'm taking the portraits um, that I reference in the paper cutting, I think the portraits I'm seeing myself in different ways. And it really is about kind of uh, shining a light on my sensual side, my sexuality. um, And who I am kind of outside of, or in addition to being a mother um, and the, all the different roles I play in life, a daughter. Um, and then when I do the paper cutting, I feel like I kind of separate myself from, then it does feel like it's a portrait of a woman or just a figure, um, which helps me to, I feel, kind of scrutinize less or when I'm doing paper cutting, I think if I get too focused on realistic representation, especially of faces, um, it gets in the way of my process. Right, right, right. So you do have a a general idea of something you're trying to express along the way. Mm -hmm. And, and I like how, Especially because in paper cutting, it can be very hard to be realistic in your renderings. Yeah. So I think it does give you like that one step away into abstraction Mm -hmm. that can help you um, 
kind of differentiate. Yeah. And I, I mean, there's probably part, part of me that wants it to be more anonymous when I'm feeling, you know, I don't, I don't feel, I don't think of bodies or sexuality or sensuality as a big deal, but I know that other people do. Right. And I wish that I didn't feel fear of judgment or embarrassment um, and would love to be able to share self-portraits more, you know, completely unapologetically. But I'm sure that part of me when I'm working on it, you know, wants to generalize in some ways. So during the pandemic, like how productive were you? Amazingly productive. (laughs) More than I should have been probably. Um, In terms of being able to multitask, uh, I think it really helped me get through the hardest times. Um, It's definitely healing and it was an escape in some ways and and having being with family that really encouraged it and participated you know often my I think they really loved having me make art at home my kids who are um seven and nine and so they would watch me do it or they would draw things for me to cut out or want to sit at uh, sit at my little art table and now they love visiting my studio. So I think that helped me to be really productive and just being around my materials, you know, not having to go into the office or commute, um, made it so I could always be working. So where was a lot of the work you produced based on self portraits or, uh, or did you explore other subjects while you were doing these cuts? Mm. Uh, a lot of my pieces are of other figures come from amazing photog- photographers I follow on Instagram or uh, underwear companies, swimsuit companies, where I just, if I see an image of figures together in interesting shapes, I would just kind of use that as a study to explore. Mm-hmm. Um and then I've started, you know, some people have started sending me their selfies so that I can have a practice of this, what I mentioned before, of, you know, I want to help people feel seen in the ways that I feel, you know, parts of me that aren't always seen can be welcomed and celebrated. Um, and then I did have a at the, towards the start of the pandemic, I think, which kind of launched me into being so productive creatively, um, I received a grant from the Leeway Foundation to do a art and storytelling project where um, I worked with a group called Educators for Consent Culture to host a series of story circles on boundaries and consent during the pandemic. Um, and then we used the poetry that, that people wrote in the workshops. I used it to make a paper cutting for each piece, each poem. Oh, nice. Um, and so that, that's going to be published into a little booklet soon, but folks can see the work on Instagram. It's called defining lines. Oh, that's really awesome. Yo. So this was really like a, a really creative journey for you. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was, <laughs> among other things. Sounds like it was like a vacation, but definitely. No, uh, yeah, I mean, a you mix. know, yeah, coming out of this, I think we all uh, just now understanding what we've been through. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, even if, if and, we're even coming out. Yeah, if if quote unquote coming out, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it will take a while to truly grasp the immensity of all that it's been. Oh, I'll mention one other project actually that's related to the pandemic is yeah. I had a piece, a paper cutting um, included in a project called the Artist's Grief Deck, which is created by the Artist Literacy Institute. Um, and it's a deck of cards that have, each card has a different art artistic piece and then on the back are prompts to help people um help support people with grief during the pandemic um that's been really exciting and a way to connect with artists all over the country absolutely and i I think that's one of the one of the things um that we really need to take note of especially coming out i lost a couple of people during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and not being able to grieve in a traditional in a traditional way Right. Yep. Um, that pain doesn't disappear. If, in fact, I think exactly. it, it might get compounded because you weren't able to see mm-hmm. them that one last time um, yeah. openly. So, yeah, I, I think that's that is an awesome project. So yeah. I, I feel like and I feel like your work, especially too, has such a delicacy to it and has such a, a, a rhythm to it that I think it really works in this particular medium. And I see that you on your website is you dabble in printmaking a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Or did that come before or? or? Uh, that actually, I, my friend lent me a little print, a little lino cut set right before the pandemic. Um, and I started doing it at home during the pandemic. And it's been, I think the image, the images and the way I, conceptualize them are pretty much the same for cutting paper and lino cuts because it's so much about you know removing (laughs) removing parts and what lines and shapes stay um positive so it just translates really well i definitely don't have the same um uh delicateness i think with lino cuts because i'm still learning but um it's been a exciting extension and i loved i just started doing also um cyanotypes oh yeah oh you're going way Thank into you. printmaking like welcome to the team thank you <laughs> yeah, i can't wait to take classes because there's so much i want to learn but i haven't yeah uh been able to yeah i'm just playing with it myself but having a space is allowing more space for mistakes too absolutely you know i think you i think you are well on your way, yo. I think you have the the right mindset for it. Like the paper cut show me anything that you could definitely do a wood cut or or a lino Thank cut you. like with ease. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see like what you do with that going forward. So tell us um just as we finish up, like what was the one thing that you think you learned about yourself during this time? Oh man. I didn't know you were gonna ask that. That's oh, really yeah, hard. Tough, hard, hard, hard hidden questions. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I think that having work in this, having this work in this show and um, sharing it publicly, which feels scary and vulnerable, um, is also a reflection of just thinking about how 
short life is, how unpredictable things are, mm-hmm. how um, precious moments are, and just makes me want to really be unapologetic in accepting who I am, sharing who I am, um, and and helping, you know, supporting that for other people. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that, that that is one of the things it's taught me is just the only thing I can control is myself. And I always want to be evolving and seeing myself in new ways and seeing how I fit into the larger world I want to create. Yes, that's absolutely amazing. Tell them where they can find you. Ah, uh, you can find my work at juliacatsterry.squarespace.com. Um, I also have an Etsy called Julia Paperworks and just launched a new series in, at healingourwork.com. Um, and also on Instagram, Healing Our Work. That's what's up, yo. Keep in, keep in touch with her. Go find her, Julia Terry. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. That's it for this special episode of Studio Noise. Just think of these special episodes as the mini artist talk to go along with the show, the virtual online exhibition, Inward. You can find it at stayhomegallery.com slash exhibitions slash Inward. So check out the work from the show. Come back, listen to the artist for the show. It's all a good time, baby. <laughs> That's what we do. And of course, if you like what you hear, you want to hear more from Studio Noise, we got over 117 episodes in the archive ready for you to check out. Just waiting. All the artists, black artists that you want to know, that you need to know right here on The Noise. We sure do appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Come back. Hear the rest of the artists in the show. Come back for more noise. And we'll see y'all next time. Appreciate you.